It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for feds in the know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. This is our big data show on the four-year anniversary of the Data Act. Um, and specifically, we're going to be talking about um, the topic of the show is improving federal data to improve the federal government. And you don't talk about the four-year anniversary of the Data Act without having um, Hudson Hollister on the show, who is the executive director of the Data Co- Coalition. Hello. Good morning, Good Hudson. Morning. Um, Hudson and I, I was reminiscing. He was not. <laughs> <laughs> Hudson and I, I was reminiscing with Hudson. I remember four years ago having him on our show right after the act passed um, and him explaining to our listeners what this act was about and what it would do. Um, and I was politely, silently thinking to myself, sure, let's see how the government could pull that off. And then here today in our studio are the people who have pulled this off. Um, so the website where all of this um, financial data from our government is now um, pushed out to the public um, is in the Treasury Department. It's in the uh, Bureau of Fiscal Service. And so with us today, we have Dan Kane, who is the director for data transparency at that bureau. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And um, we have Linnea Powell, who is, she has this title that I don't really understand the name of, but her (laughs) title is product owner of USASpending.gov. Good morning, Linnea. Good morning. And essentially um, what Linnea does or did is she led the team inside the bureau who built out usaspending.gov that's right we have a great team (laughs) um you had to have had a team because if if you're listening and you can multitask you should go on to usaspending.gov and you should get a look at this thing it is majestic um and we're going to talk all about that uh later on in the show but um it is the product of the of the data act um, and interestingly, um, to sort of build all the four corners out to the topic of big data and the government, um, the the, uh, the folks in my office who produce this show have decided to bring on USA Facts, F-A-C-T-S, um, which is a, a private sector, nonprofit version of big data, uh, fiscal data, financial data um, from um, from the government. And to join us today uh, to talk about USA Facts is Richard Coffin, who's the director of USA Facts. Richard's joining us by phone. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Great to be here. Um, and so 
So at least our listeners know there are like two websites now they should be looking at. They should be looking at USA Facts and they should be looking at USAspending.gov. Um, but I thought that um, to sort of set the stage for, for what this data is and what these websites do, are supposed to do, how they got created, and where's the future of all this, you can't talk about big data, government big data without talking to Hudson Hollister. Um, and um, you've been with the, the Data Coalition since its inception. Six and a half years. Six and a half years. Tell our listeners, um, what is the Data Coalition? Well, the Data Coalition is a trade association. We empower data companies to make government more efficient and more transparent. And we do that both top down and bottom up. We try to pass laws that force the government to adopt standardized data structures so that government can run better. And we also try to bring bottom-up culture change. We encourage the data officers and analytics leads inside federal agencies. Oftentimes, they're very happy that we're on the outside pushing these laws because as the reforms happen, that's what gets their business leaders to care about the data transformation. Hmm. We have about 47 member companies at the Data Coalition, and we have a small team of six, soon to be seven people in Washington. And you're on your staff. On the staff. Yeah. Um, And... Um, you were, you know, the Data Coalition was really instrumental in getting the Data Act passed. Um, it was a long journey, but not such a long journey when you look at the, um, you know, of, of big sort of uh, legislative socioeconomic revolutions in our country. The journey wasn't that long, but it took a couple of years to get the act passed. Well, the story really begins in 1802. 1802. <laughs> but don't worry, I, I won't take that too much time. I, I just always love looking back at this particular letter that we've talked about, I think even on this show before. So apologies to those who've heard me talk about this before. Is, is it like a picture the, of that newspaper snapshot that's on USAspending.gov on the data lab? I've it's never the original. The... Oh, my God. It's the original ledger, I think, from the first. Um, oh, yeah. It's the, it's the original ledger sheet from the first report. I guess to the to Congress of uh, first annual spending, to, and, and I think it was 1796. So that actually the, the story might begin even earlier with the founding of the Republic or before you could go to the Magna Carta. We might not have time to do that. I'm going to talk about 1802. Then I'm going to fast forward to 2010. Okay. In 1802, President Thomas Jefferson wrote to his brand new Treasury Secretary, Albert Gallatin, complaining about the previous Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. He said that Hamilton had left federal spending a mess. Hamilton had used so many different accounts and categorizations that it was very hard for anybody who wasn't an expert to understand federal spending. Even the members of Congress couldn't get it. And so Jefferson said to Gallatin, his new Treasury secretary, that we have to – and here's the quote – form into one consolidated mass all the monies received into the Treasury. One consolidated mass. That's the crucial bit. And Jefferson said that if we're able to do this, again, quote, we might hope to see the finances of the union as clear and intelligible as a merchant's books Mm -hmm. so that every member of Congress and every man of any mind in the union should be able to comprehend them, to investigate abuses and consequently to control them. Jefferson recognized that if we could bring all of the information about federal spending into, quote, one consolidated mass, if we could make one unified data set that brought all that together, it would be possible to get a handle on the finances of the union. Fast forward to 2010. We what still... do you think he would make of USAspending.gov with that vision? I like to think that Dan and Linnea's work would please Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a self-serving thing for us, too, but I'm, I, I think this is what that actually is. It, 2,000 accounts. 2,000 different accounts. And what, what's important? important about federal spending information, when I was a congressional staffer in 2010, we began looking at this. There are at least three different 
categories of federal spending information that were definitely not, as of 2010, definitely not brought into one consolidated mass. We had financial account information. That's the information that agencies report to the Treasury Department about their account balances, 2,000 different expenditure accounts in the accounting systems. We have grant information. Agencies are reporting summaries of each grant award, and that was not going into the Treasury system at all. That was going into the FADs. We also have contract information, agencies summarizing each contract award, what they're paying Lockheed Martin, and so on and so on, and that was going to the GSA. All of these different pieces of information were in different places, and so in 2010, we began looking at how do we bring all this together, because right now it's impossible to get a handle on the federal government as a single entity, and that's what gave rise to the Data Act. In 2010, I began working on this as a congressional staffer. In 2011, Congressman Daryl Issa and Senator Mark Warner introduced – It was an incredible bipartisan belief in this. There was, and, and it came and, from, and it re- and, and it continues today. It there was. There, this has always been fully bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Now, I I will tell you all. Uh, I know that our friends in government might not be able to comment on this, but we certainly tried to sell it in different ways to different parties. I started the data. Co- I resigned from my job in in 2012 to start the data coalition because we needed to have an outside push for this big reform. And we certainly talk differently to Republican offices as opposed to Democratic offices. In Republican offices, but we they would, both, but both. Parties Parties, for maybe different reasons, see the value in bringing all that data into one place and then making it transparent inside the government and out. Different philosophies, same value. Both Republicans and Democrats wanted to get all of the spending information into one consolidated mass. They had different ideas about what voters might think about it once it was there. Right. But the goal was always the same. So what the Data Act does essentially, is it says we need data standards. It says we need to use the same data structure for the accounting information, the grant information, and the contract information. Without a common data structure, without one data format for all that stuff, there's no way to bring it into one consolidated mass. The Data Act directed the Treasury Department, including my colleagues who are here here in the studio, and the White House Office of Management and Budget to create that data format, and then to impose it. And every agency had to begin reporting its information beginning in May 2017. And with the May 2018 anniversary, we have just hit not just the four-year anniversary of the law, but also the one-year anniversary of the reporting deadline. And that is significant because we now have a full year's worth of standardized data in that one consolidated mass. It's a remarkable – so 1802 to 2018, somebody's going to do the math. It's a long time, Hmm. right? 216 years. 216 years um, to get to this point for the vision that Jefferson saw was so important to um, running the government. And we're not done. We'll talk at the end of this hour. Yeah. So preview for that. We'll talk at the end of this hour about what other types of information need to be added into this one consolidated mass to make it really turbocharged for management. Yeah. But for now, what we do have is very useful. Yeah. And we, we're not done, but we have the um, we have the mandate. We have a legal mandate and we have um, compliance by the agencies. And then we have a structure inside the government to collect it and push it back out. Um, 216 years later, um, I think Jefferson would be very proud of you, Hudson. Um, we're going to take our first break. Um, and when we come back, we actually are going to speak with the folks at USAspending.gov and from USA Facts, which is a private sector version of collecting big data on government finances. Um, but first, we're going to take our first commercial break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. 
Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. It's a show on big data and how um, um, improved data improves the working of our federal government. With us today in the studio is Hudson Hollister, who's the executive director of the Data Coalition. We spent the first part of our show talking about um, the impetus and the history of the Data Act, which is on its four-year anniversary. We also have with us in studio, the uh, folks from this Department of Treasury Bureau of Fiscal Services that launched the uh, vehicle required by the Data Act to collect all this data, um, and that that website is USA Spending One Word dot gov, um, and uh, we're on our one year anniversary. And Dan and Linnea. Um, uh, Dan, you you run the Office of Data Transparency. Linnea, your folks um, designed and and built that incredible website, along with the new launch, the Data Lab. Um, how what did that effort look like? Well, this as as Hudson pointed out, this what two hundred sixteen years. So we have a really unique data set, and it's pretty complex too. So a lot of where we started was talking to users about how that what their questions are about federal spending. We spent a lot of energy up front kind of testing versions of the website, collecting feedback and iterating over and over again. I mean, we had we started out we had people um holding tablets standing outside the Capitol Visitors Center with mock-ups of the website and kind of grabbing tourists from all across the country showing them kind of versions of the website, getting their feedback, taking that information back, synth- synthesizing it, and changing the website over and over again. And we that's one of our core principles, and we've continued to follow that. We, If you go to our website, you'll see there's a community forum where we get uh, comments from users all the time. We watch that really closely, and we're constantly kind of talking to users, kind of iterating and changing the website. Like almost every two weeks, we change the website. I mean that's that's how. So we're we're. I feel like it's going to be something that we're just going to continue to work towards to make it as useful as possible for users. And the crucial aspect here, I think, is Dan. I'll bet you're talking to both users outside the government and users inside the government about the same platform, and that is historically very unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a wide range of users because we have everyone from those tourists that yeah. are looking at the site. Those and, tourists are American citizens. Exactly. They pay taxes. Exactly. And and who maybe don't, don't aren't in the Beltway, don't kind of know about appropriations and outlays and obligations. But they know what their tax bill is. Exactly. And so we want to serve those customers, but we also have customers who know everything about federal spending, who want to just pull down our data, do analysis for business intelligence, or people in the federal government who in budget shops or CFOs who want to look at this data and make better decisions, make better government. 
Um, so we're we're trying to serve a pretty um, varied group of people. But and Deborah, um, I know we'll come back to that, but I just want to just flag that as hard as we possibly can because it's that shared understanding between our government and its people, the shared understanding between those managing the government and those to whom the government is accountable. That shared understanding is what Jefferson was getting at. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, – we talked about this or I, I talked about this before the show. I think it's one of the most important foundations of a 21st century democracy is having that – having on an, in an individual citizen level the ability to understand in the most granular but macro, incredible macro information on that website, but granular, what is the government doing with your with your tax dollar? Um, and that that's not just when they say government, it's two branches. It's like, how is how is Congress allocating it? And then once it's allocated out to the agencies, because Hudson mentioned grants and contracts, there's a lot of discretion inside the federal agencies about how to push it out to the grant world, how to push it out to the contract world. Once Congress has decided how, you know, on the allocation, um, Linnea, your team was part of is the design, right? Um, tell us how you got a website that looks like Silicon Valley built it. It looks so modern, so fresh. It looks so it looks so not like what the government would ever put out had would have the vision to put out. Um and I'm talking about um not not ju- well not the content, but how the content's organized and then visually how it's presented. How'd you do that? Sure. Uh so the government uh, appropriates nearly four trillion dollars uh, every year, and so our website shows the breakdown of that from federal appropriations to local communities and businesses. And so one challenge is that we want the the website to really make the data uh, accessible and available, but we want people to really use it. So we needed to create a variety of tools for a range of users, from taxpayers to Congress to data repurposers to agencies themselves. Uh, so we, as Dan mentioned earlier, we really focused on user-centered design and went out and talked to people and then continued to iterate on our process and the tools that we were putting out. So our team actually follows uh, Agile in how we organize. So we're the first uh, government-wide uh, team using Agile, and that's allowed us to really quickly adapt based on what we're hearing from users and to kind of get tools out there in front of people and get reactions and then iterate from that. So. The question I had, and and Dan, I don't know if you're um, the person who answers this. Um, One of the things I remember from four years ago, speaking with Hudson on the show and then revisiting the topic as I got ready for it, was um, the first thing that when 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 they talked about the Data Act four years ago, the first thing everybody talked about was standardizing the way um, financial information was was collected, viewed, reported, understood across government. And and there was such a lack of standardization, which wasn't isn't really surprising when you think about how how um, government in two branches of government had been run for decades. How how did like how did that first happen? Like how did your office had to have some sort of standards out there to standardize what you're telling people to send you? Right. I mean, that was one of the most challenging aspects of this implementation because you think about trying to agree on standards across. I mean, we have most recently almost 100 agencies reporting data to us. So you have hundreds of stakeholders who have uh, an interest in what those data standards are going to look like. So there was um, tons of outreach across the entire federal government trying to get agreement. And we leveraged 
kind of standards or, um, you know, things that were already out there and tried to combine them and come to an agreement. But, you know, I think it's like one of the foundational aspects of the success. I mean, you look at the website, it's shiny and fancy and, and it's great. Um, and I think like the data standards is a little bit of like the unsung hero. It's like the foundation of the success of the data act. Otherwise, it's you- a given when you go in that you, you know, you, 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 there, there's an, uh, an assumption by the user that as you're looking and scrolling across different parts of the website and numbers pop up that, that they all are based on the same thing that I can trust that number. Right. I mean, that's the first time you can do apples to apples comparisons across $4 trillion of government spending. Um, so you're right. It's it's critical, not only for the public, but also for people who want to do analysis, including federal agencies. I mean, if you want to compare yourself to another agency, look for... Um, you know, look for potential improvements or efficiencies if you're going to look at your competitors or, or your um, cohort, a similar sized agency. I mean, if you if you can't trust the numbers, um, then, you know, we say around around our office, like better data without the better data, you can't make better decisions and you can't have better government. So but is it um, fair to say your office is the one who set the standards? Yeah, so um, in collaboration with OMB and Maine Treasury and getting input, I mean, we're we we bring a pretty collaborative approach to our work. Um, so we we have a we have tons of outreach across the federal government. We have uh, almost weekly office hour calls where federal agencies can call in. We have a monthly event where people can come and ask questions because this is pretty complex. I mean, reporting all this data um, from all these hundred different systems, it gets pretty complex. So we're we're very much in the in this in a helper stance and trying to help. But yes, we we were in charge of developing the standards. Um, and then also how do you test to make sure that what comes in is in fact meeting the standardized platform for the data you're asking. Right. I mean, so that's like another, like most people talk about the two websites, USA Spending and Data Lab, but we also have a software product that was developed called The Broker. And this is like the mechanism by which these hundred agencies submit their data on a quarterly basis through this system. And I kind of think of this system as like a filter, yeah, you know, and you can't, and you can't pass through the filter if your data doesn't meet the standards. So we have all these checks and some of them, some of them, some of them kind of send the agencies warnings or hints of like, hey, this is area that like we're not sure, but you might want to investigate further f- to improve data quality. So, you know, we see it as like a tool for agencies to make sure they're adhering to the standards, but also to continue to improve. So, so you've developed because uh, I, like I said, I remember four years ago the standardization thinking. How are they ever going to achieve that? Um, and and so you, your office worked collaboratively is what I'm hearing. And of course, OMB and Treasury had to have been important part players in that. Um, and then you have a set of standards, right? And how do you decide the curating part, right? How did how did that decision happen? Um, it wasn't. It sounds to me like the decision constantly evolves. Like, what data are you actually curating that, um, you know, you get everything that comes in gets pushed back out? Or do you curate it and sort through it? Well, um, I don't Yeah, so I think that kind of goes back to our user-centered design principles where we really take the public's input into what users would want. Um, But I think another important thing to highlight both on USAspending.gov and the Data Lab 
is that everything is fully transparent. So we actually publish the files that the agencies have submitted. We publish our code. It's all open. And so everyone can see exactly how both websites are put together. Uh, the Data Lab even has an area where they highlight how you could recreate this analysis and how they did it. Uh, so I think it's just fully transparent to the public. And before we get off the topic of standardization, I want to make I know, sure to it's, ask. It's your thing. We've got to, not just my thing. It's Richard's uh, because in in some ways, USAFacts.org had a more difficult job because USA Facts is not just about the federal government's finances, but state and local as well. And so designing a consistent data standard to bring all of that in as Richard's team has successfully done. I'm I'm curious and I don't know. And I'm sure the audience is, too. Richard. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. We um we 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 faced uh, exactly the problem that, that Hudson's talking about and that um that, that Dan and Linnea mentioned. We uh we are incredibly grateful that you all are uh, working on the taxonomy uh, by which federal spending is uh, looked at. And I'm really glad you mentioned Thomas Jefferson too, because when we started looking at uh, not only federal spending but uh, federal, state, and local spending, and also outcomes of that spending, things like graduation rates and crime and things that people might want to know. Uh, in order to be able to uh, make decisions about that spending, uh, the taxonomy problem multiplied. Uh, and by the taxonomy problem for our federal audience, uh, we, we mean the, the problem of putting everything into one consolidated mass, one structure. Exactly, because not only uh, the, the federal government, uh, as you mentioned, what, has, isn't really organized on these lines. No. Uh, the, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate, for example, they even have different uh, uh, committees by which they talk about these various issues. Um, but when you add the ninety thousand other state and local governments on top of that, uh, it gets even it gets even more complicated. Uh, and um, so what we uh, what what we did was we went back even a little bit further than the early eighteen hundreds to the Constitution, and uh, saw that if you look at the preamble to the Constitution, and it says pretty clearly that the government is meant to uh, establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. It turns out uh, it, we, we spent a while uh, playing around with uh, that language and uh, found that you can you can fit lots of uh, different uh, spending groups into these uh, four buckets. You can fit uh, the various outcomes uh, in education and crime and you know various various things you would want to judge spending by into these same buckets. Um, and so we, we ended up using that as sort of the broadest way to talk about uh, data and look at these sort of consistent uh, spending and outcome measures over time. So, um, Richard, I, I, I think that um, our listeners um, need a little background on USA Facts because it's really an, a very interesting story of how you got yourselves created. Um, and what we'd like to do is uh, rejoin you after we take our mid-show break and have you tell our listeners, um, you know, wh- who, whose brainchild is USA Facts and what are you guys doing today? But we need to take our mid-show commercial break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. 
And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. Today's show is about big data, um, not just actually uh, U.S. government big data, but um, if you have USA Facts on, you're talking about state and local government big data. It is the four-year anniversary of the Data Act. It's the one-year anniversary of the implementation, the actual push-out of this um, of this data, which you can find at usaspending.gov. Um, but we rounded out the show on the conversation today about data in both federal, state, and local governments, um, financial data, by bringing USA Facts um, onto our show. And um, from USA Facts is Richard Coffin, who's the director. Richard, you're still with us, right? Yep. Um, I think you have a great story about how you guys got started. And if you could share that with our listeners and um, and then um, let our listeners know a bit about your website and what they can find on it. Yeah, f- fantastic. So, this idea really came about, uh, it is the brainchild of uh, Steve and Connie Ballmer, uh, who uh, a couple years ago, uh, Steve retired from Microsoft and uh, started getting more involved in their philanthropic work. He was the CEO of Microsoft. Yes, exactly. And he, he uh, went out and they started looking at major problems in the country they wanted to address, things like poverty, uh, you know, things in education, crime, uh, you, you name it. And uh he realized that if, if you're going to really look at where philanthropic dollars can have the most impact, uh, you have to look at where government spends its money against these uh, these same issue areas because it is far and away the largest um, provider of funds to uh, to sort of address these problems. Uh, and and so fr- from he's a businessman through and through, went out and looked for what he thought was going to be the equivalent of the 10K for government, um, it, the, the 10K being the, the form that public corporations have to file with the SEC every year. Uh, to show the state of their business to investors. Mm-hmm. It's a public disclosure financial statement. Exactly. Right. And, and so he, he went out and looked for it and was sort of surprised that uh, you couldn't find something like this, not just for the federal government, but something that uh, rolled up federal, state, and local dollars together, uh, seeing that if you were really going to look at things like education, you couldn't just look at federal spending because it's, it's not uh, really even a relevant place of the pie when it comes to how much we spend on education in the country and, and where the dollars actually come from and where they go. Um, so he, he decided that we should try to create something like this. Um, so w- w- why a 10K, right? Uh, the, the idea was that it has to be unbiased. When you know, From the time at Microsoft, CEOs have to attest to it and sign on the dotted line at the end. It has to be comprehensive. It has to show the, the, the big picture um, and the, the full picture in the sense of uh, for the government would be federal, state, and local uh, spending and outcomes. It has to be comprehensible and that it must be relatively easy to understand. Uh, and it has to be contextual. It has to show changes over time in history. So and it turns out many of these elements are missing in, were missing in the way government uh, was looking at uh, – they were missing in what was available to look at government data. Um, there wasn't something that looked at uh, not just spending across federal, state, and local governments, but uh, these outcomes, the idea of if you were to look at spending and say, well, or you know, make a decision on whether or not it's, it's – going in the right direction or not, you might want to know things like, are people, are more people graduating than they used to? Are, is there less crime where I live? 
things like that. Um, it, it has to be uh, comprehensible, right? I mean, that one of the issues that uh, USA Spending is addressing is that, that much of this, the data that government produces, there's a lot of it. It's all over the Internet, and it is uh, organized in different formats. Sometimes it's in PDFs. Sometimes it's, uh, it, it comes only through APIs. Sometimes it is in Excel files. But it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all over and in, on various websites. Um, and that leads to the third problem is this idea of context that, uh, that there's it's, you most for the most part can only see one data set at a time and it's hard to see how much something is as part of the whole or you know what education data means in terms of uh, health data anything anything like that you know how could you compare them so um, the idea was that by really latching onto this idea of a 10k we could bring all these things together. Um, so and for our federal part- audience, a 10K is the annual financial statement that public companies must publish. And for our federal audience, they're probably more used to the consolidated <laughs> financial statements that the federal exactly. government publishes. Exactly. Um, and so what went into creating this was we, we had to um, we follow the rules of building a 10K, right? We, we, uh, we had to use only your own data as a company would. Uh, so by that, we meant we only use government data. We don't, we don't take data from, uh, other, from other organizations. Uh, we, we have to look at where money is spent. And then you have to look at the outcomes. For, for a corporation, it's, it's, for the most time, profit. For a government, it, for the government, it's not. It is uh, societal goods. Um, and so uh, we, we had to look at all of these things in, uh, in the same place. And so we spent a long time pouring through government agencies, working with academics, working with folks within the government to sort of look at the best, the best, uh, the best uh, sets of data. And then the biggest part of this process was, uh, the taxonomy I mentioned a minute ago, the idea of how do you organize it. Um, and, and like I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we went back to Thomas Jefferson because we went back to the Constitution to figure out how to organize everything because it seemed like the most basic way, the most fundamental purpose of government and the, uh, the sort of broadest set of uh, categories that really, if, if you're going to do this for a, uh, a business or for long term for the government, they can't really change over time. And uh, the, uh, luckily for us, that particular language uh, has not, and so the idea was that this 10K, it, and it wasn't just for Stephen philanthropy, but it uh, we came up with the idea that it could really improve debate by grounding it in data um, across the country and helping uh, Americans become a really truly active and engaged citizenry. Um, so we la- we launched this initiative publicly uh, on Tax Day in 2017. Mm-hmm. We published a 10K. Uh, it is a legitimate. Uh, it follows the <laughs> the exact format. It is. 200 plus pages of uh, a kind of uh, you know one, three, five, and ten year views of changes uh, in both spending and outcomes associated with that spending. Uh, we, we then publish a smaller, more easily to consume annual report, uh, and then we, we put everything together on a website, right? Thinking that it, we really want to give people access to um, to make their own queries, and, and uh, you know we have this sort of beta website up, but we have a long way to go. Uh, but we're, we're working on, um, you know, getting the data out there, uh, sort of evangelizing the data that, um, that you know, folks like, uh, like Dan and Linnea are uh, putting together and then getting it, getting it used by the public and then uh, doing what we can to improve it and give our feedback. And that, I think, is the really interesting question. It, it's uh, fantastic that um, for in Richard's project that USAFacts.org finished that first 
initial version of the United States 10K uh, before Dan and Linnea's team had completed assembling their first ever consolidated mass of federal spending data. And so I, I think one one way to, way to understand how these two projects fit together is, Richard, do you want to explain uh, first, what were the inputs? Because you didn't have the consolidated data set of USAspending.gov at that time. What were the inputs that you used? And then now that USAspending.gov does include that consolidated mass, now that Dan and Linnea and their team have been able to put that together. We've got a year's worth of it. Uh, what is going to happen next? What is USA Facts going to do to incorporate that much more granular and consolidated federal spending data? I'm so glad you asked that because it is, it is exactly what our team is working on as we speak. <laughs> uh, we, we, we used, um, at, at the beginning, uh, the best thing we had available um, is the, the OMB budget database, which it, it gives, it's, it's a spreadsheet that gives uh, Basically, historical account spending uh, back to uh, the uh, early 1900s, I believe, and uh, it 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 breaks things down. It, it breaks things out in terms of uh, what agency spends it down to the bureau and office. It shows which account it comes from. It shows if it's on or off budget, mandatory or discretionary, and uh, whether or not it's grant spending or not. Uh, grants to state and local governments, for the most part, uh, and so we we use that as our primary source of federal federal data. Um, it was definitely the, the the best that was out there at the time. And then uh, to get the state and local spending, the, the Census Bureau has a, a survey that they conduct every, I believe, five years, and they, they do estimates in other years to uh, look at how much the uh, state and local governments spend uh, on various issue areas. And, and one of our, our biggest challenges was uh, th- those are not one-to-one sources, so we had to, uh, you know, the, in the sense that uh, a large chunk of the amount of money that, State and local government spend is actually transfers from the federal government. Um, we had to, we spent a lot of time uh, doing our best to uh, basically take out any sort of double counting that would occur just by adding the two data sets together. Um, so th- that that's how we those were the two inputs we really used to create the original uh, big picture of spending in the country. Uh, but you've been on USAspending.gov, right? You've yeah, been on it now, right? So um, so what's that? What's the impact of that? For on on how USA Facts is going to um, collect collect and, and and report data. Exactly. So the the really exciting thing about USA spending and, and what it offers um, from uh, from the really uh, sort of you know smallest level of spending and grants and contracts and whatnot is that it, it the goal the goal of it as I understand it and as it's it's moving towards is uh, taking those sort of broad. Uh, you know, th- those, those, th- even though that OMB budget database is 5,000-plus rows, uh, each of those still contains billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> and the way that you and it's what, what the work people are doing is so amazing is taking those and bring, making them, turning them into individual grants, seeing how they uh, go in, you know, how they actually come out of the government at states and localities and congressional districts and whatnot. And so what we're super excited about and what we're working on right now is uh, it, it's, it's helping us show how much federal spending goes into different uh, geographies and, and what, what that is in organizing it across the same months, the taxonomy. Our, our next challenge is uh, really not just showing federal, state, and local spending together, but showing how much of it goes to different geographies. And uh, it, it's not that hard using various sources that are out there, including this, especially this uh, census source I mentioned, to show how much money is spent in states by state and local governments. What's really hard to see is what money from the federal government that doesn't pass through the state and local governments goes directly to various places in those states. 
And so what we're really excited about is using the data that is on USA Spending to basically find where the other $2 trillion, $2 trillion in spending goes uh, in states. It's, so it's, we can, it's like financial detective work. Exactly, right? I mean, we, the, the, you, we, see, we see that um, the, the last year we could combine this data, and this is an issue we can talk about uh, in, a, in a little bit if, if you like, but the, the last year we can really consolidate everything for is 2015, um, mostly because of state and local reporting to the, the Census Bureau. But in, in that year, uh, the federal government spent about $3.7 trillion, and state and local governments spent about $2.6 trillion. But about six trillion dollars, six billion dollars, six hundred billion dollars of that came from the federal government to state and local governments. So in the form of about, grants. There's, yeah, exactly. So there, there's still roughly, uh, you know, uh, three trillion odd dollars that, if you were to just look at money spent in states, you would be missing it if you didn't actually include the funds that went directly from federal government to someone in those states. <laughs> so our goal is, if we see five point seven trillion dollars in total spending in the country, how do we get all spending in states to add up to $5.7 trillion again and not just to the spending done by state and right. local government. And know you did it accurately. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, it's, um, um, it must be, um, to sort of simplify for our listeners, let me see, Richard, if, if I have the right takeaway. Now that USAspending.gov, you know, has um, one year of data out there along with Data Lab, and, I, and, and after our last commercial break, what I want to talk about with the USA spending folks is like, what's level two look like? Um, but now that you know what level one looks like, Richard, USA facts is all, you know, spent government spending nationwide, federal, state and local. Um, whereas USA spending.gov is just going to tell you what when it comes into the US Treasury, how does it go back out? You're looking to see not only how it goes back out, but where does it exactly land? Right? Exactly. In the state and local um, jurisdictions. Exactly. Um, which is, to me, you know, an, it has to be an enormous task and effort. Um, and and once it really catches on, I think, among citizens, um, I'm really curious to see what high school and college students do with this data um, to start really testing the accuracy of it, um, to use it um, for political and social purposes, um, I think is going to be really fascinating. Um, we need to take our last commercial break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. Today's show uh, was about big government data. Um, joining us in the studio is Hudson Hollister of the Data Coalition and the folks from USAspending.gov. We just heard from Richard Coffin, who is the director at USAfacts.org. Uh, USAfacts is that right, Richard? Yep. No, uh, yeah, dot org. <laughs> dot org. And um, um, a, a really super interesting story about the impetus to create it and what they're doing. Um, but one of the things that just happened recently at USAspending.gov, which I want to devote a little bit of time to, is that you launched your data lab. 
um, which is part of usaspending.gov's website. <clears throat> what sets it apart? Like, why do Dan, tell us why did we get that? Sure. Which I think I've been on it. It is so cool. Yep. Yep. I mean, Data Lab is like the sister site to usaspending.gov. It's linked straight from the site so you can get there. Um, but as the word lab in the name, it's where we are doing a little bit of experimentation with the data. Um, the goal of the platform is really to use engaging data visualizations to better the public's understanding of federal spending. So and. And it's it's really cool to hear what Richard's doing because that's right in line with what the data lab is out there. It's, it's trying to get the data being used. It's trying to get people excited about the data. So um, that's you know that's one difference. The other difference is in in on some of those kind of tools that we've built, we're combining federal spending data with other data sets, which we think there's like a lot of room for growth there. And this is just, we're just trying to put out use cases so that kind of spark people's ideas of, oh, here's something cool that you could do with this huge data set to show show a new look or a new insight. Um, so that's part of what it's, it's doing. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, we recently launched an analysis of homelessness and on the homepage of Data Lab. Yes, and it's combining um, something like over 30 programs across the federal government. Um, there's tons of agencies that are contributing to the homelessness problem in the United States, but all that data in the past was spread out across all these different systems, different agencies, and this is the first time where you can really kind of combine it. And we're, we tried to do it in a way where we, we talk to users uh, at the local level, local government, as well as at the federal level to understand, like, what would be useful for them. And we're just trying to uh, make a tool that, first off, like, gives them some insights into if you're, you know, if you're a local county in uh, some state and you want to see, okay, what are the programs that other counties that look like my county are are using to fight this this problem. So this this is this is just one of the examples on the site that that's trying to do that. It's trying to um, just take a fresh look at it's it. It's a great example. Um, the other the other content on Data Lab is much more generalized and twenty thousand foot view of uh, you know federal spending. The two thousand bank accounts. I thought that was so cool. Um, of course, you know, I'm practicing law in the federal system for 28 years. And so I found it fascinating to scroll through the 28,000 different bank accounts um, to look at federal contracts by you could see by name and dollar amount where the contract was let, which federal agency. Think about the power of ha- of citizens having access to that kind of information. So you had really macro 20,000 foot, but yet then there was this thing I was like, why is it just a whole section on homelessness, a programs on homelessness? And I think, Dan, what you're saying is we're just trying to give you an example of what this data in one, in one area of where the government spends its money, kind of like what Richard was talking about, like what's the impact of when we spend this money, what's the impact, right? And then exactly, you- and it's, it's, it's uh, what Dan said is so important because it, the, uh, the idea that uh, there are, you mentioned how homelessness has a lot of different groups working on it, and that's, that's exactly how we feel. Right, I mean, a, a high school graduation rate isn't just about how much money is spent in a school district. It has to do with crime in the neighborhood. It has to do with the health of the people living in the neighborhood. It has to do with a whole ton of different factors. And so uh, these are problems that have sort of integrated ways of looking at them, and they deserve integrated solutions, both from a, a spending and a outcome perspective. And from the Data Coalition's perspective, the value of the Data Lab is that we, it can help us get to shared use. None of this is worthwhile 
unless both the managers inside the federal government and the constituents outside of it are using the same data set and see the same thing. That's how you get shared understanding between the government and its people. And uh, Richard, we haven't talked about this, but that's my hope for usafacts.org as well, that it could be used inside the government, and that's how we rebuild the trust. That's what Jefferson was getting at, that when he said, uh, we'll see the finances of the union as clear and intelligible as a merchant's books, he said, so that every member of Congress and every man of every mind in the union, together, the leaders in Congress and in the executive branch, and the citizens to whom the government is accountable, they're looking at the same information. Right. And that's exactly what we hope to do. We, we we want this to be a tool for policymakers to help use to, to uh, use to help make decisions. Um, we, we want it to make it uh, useful for staffers when they're when they're doing research briefs. We want to make it useful for um, people within federal agencies who either need to see what's going on from data a data perspective in a in a different uh, from a different agency from a different uh, perspective, uh, and um, and also work to sort of improve the data on our site. You know, it's a very cyclical thing. We've been so excited that everyone we've talked to in the government, um, including the folks at the Treasury, are are really into helping work with us on this. Um, and it's it's a place we are excited to uh, do more of. Yeah, and, and, and I always keep coming back to the citizen. I keep thinking about, um, you know, uh, government government classes in junior high and high school. Yeah. Um, and, and when you go on both USA Facts website and USA Spending website, you know, you can you can look at your state and you can see what's happening with money that comes in and out of your state and imagine what you could teach in a classroom to inspire young citizens to have, you know, an understanding in a very different way than when I was, um, you know, in junior high and high school of your government at work. So if this, Hudson, and we have a few minutes left, if this is level one, right, of what the Data Act could produce, which I think you go on usaspending.gov, Linnea, kudos, serious kudos to you and your team. That thing is rock and roll, right? If this is level one, what do you see as level two and three? Like, where, where does, where, where's our next steps? The Data Coalition is trying to do three things as we combine our top-down advocacy and our bottom-up culture change in Washington. Number one, we want the federal government to expand the data set that right now you can find at usaspending.gov. Uh, we want the Treasury Department to be able to bring in receipts and payments. Some states let you go all the way from the budget category down to the granular checkbook payment level so you can see the amount and the date and sometimes even the person responsible the for each payment. The actual checkbook. Yes. We have that inside. That date, that date exists. It exists at the Treasury Department in the Payment Information Repository. But right now it's not part of that unified data structure. So that's one thing. Yeah. Number two, grants. All of the forms and filings that state and local governments and nonprofits have to submit to the feds when they get the money on condition of getting the money, those are all PDF documents. We're going to transform those into a consolidated mass of data. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to pass the Grant Reporting Efficiency and Agreements Transparency Act, which right now has been Dan, approved I, I hear by more committee work for you. <laughs> in the House. We're going to pass that in Congress. And it's going to come together with the culture change to transform all of those forms that grantees have to file. Number three, regulatory. 
Australia has adopted a common data structure for all the information that companies report to government. We have not even started that in the U.S. We're going to pass the Financial Transparency Act in order to put the federal government on the road to standardized business reporting so that all that public information that companies have to file, all of that will be standardized as well. Once we combine federal agency spending, that's number one. Grant reporting, that's number two, and regulatory reporting from private business, that's number three. We're going to have a complete picture of everything government's doing, the whole interface between the public sector and the private sector. That's the Data Coalition's three goals. We're on the way to all of them. Yeah. And um, wow, that's – I just remember four years ago, of course, my reaction's different. Four years ago, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Good luck. Good luck, Hudson. It, it still today, should, you, you should still today, be skeptical. No, no, no. Today – I feel it, you know, because I, I, I see it. I see it in action on usaspending.gov. I can see it. Um, and then I'm, you know, I think about like what a huge task that is. But I think with technology, when you think of passage of the act and then what, what the content is that Dan and his office has been able to get up and running on usaspending.gov, I, I, it feels like, I mean, obviously, um, you don't have that task right now, Dan, but you can see how with technology, it's doable, Right. Um, what's level two look like at usaspending.gov if, if we're after year one? Right. Linnea and Dan, what do you think level two looks like? I mean, I'm really excited to see where the users take us and where where, as you said, like students and we, we're partnering with uh, universities to and grad school programs. And I'm really interested to see where what users do with the data or the ideas that they bring to us because that's really we want to get that's why we have this open approach um, and get our source code out there and get the data out there and get it moving. But I'm really interested to see like what kind of insights like regular people who take our data and do a cool project or I mean I think that's pretty exciting and and we're also going to continue to talk to our customers and understand what they're interested in the learning federal, the actual the federal agencies who are reporting yeah and people that are using our site too like us yeah exactly <laughs> and Richard and his 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 guys so um Definitely. Yeah, I think it's really an exciting time for transparency in government and just seeing what this data can do to create a better government. Yeah, well, um, that that's like, yeah, that's an understatement, right? When you think about the amount of data that's on, on both websites, um, USA Facts and USAspending.gov. Um, for me, as I said, you know, we talk about, um, you know, using this data, um, you know, to make policy um decisions. I, I see it as an integral part of engaging citizens in the democratic process because they can actually, you know, see and feel what their government's doing. And, um, you know, there's so much out there about what's fake news and what's not fake news and um, having what feels like pretty, uh, most people, I think, right, Hudson, on both sides agree that the data collected on usaspending.gov is Reliable. They might credible. think it tells a different story, but they're at least relying on the same data. Right. And they're relying on the same data, which means they, th- they think it's reliable and credible. Right. So um, congratulations um, to the Data Coalition for getting us here today. Thank you, USAspending.gov, for being on our show. And Richard, uh, kudos to you and your folks at USA Facts. Keep it going. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. 